Getting into today's movie, though, I tell you, I, I threw around every idea I could possibly. Me and Pastor Jerry sat out in the foyer last week talking about what movie we were going to use. I, I was wanting to use one of the, one of the more um, popular ones like Aladdin. You know, I wanted to preach on God's not a genie in a bottle. He's not here to grant your wishes. He's here to have a relationship. I thought that'd be cool with Will Smith. And then I was going to uh, use Avengers, talking about God gives people extraordinary things to do extraordinary things with. And that one, and then we were talking about maybe Hacksaw Ridge, and then I remember my dad, I thought would whip me if I play a rated R movie in this church, even though I've let cuss words slip through some of these. Um, but when I got home, for the last two years, the girls have had this movie playing, and I hated it, because it, it, I, I'm not a musical guy. I've never really sat down and watched a musical other than Grease, and I didn't even like It when I saw It. And I have had to go sit through a lot of musicals now that I'm a father of three little girls. I've been to lots of musicals, but most of them are animated, and so I can deal with animated musicals. But for the last two years, this has been the theme movie in our house. And I guess to be honest with you, I just felt outright that it was sin. Because Wolverine was never supposed to put on tights and dance around on a stage in a movie. It just took all the man card out of Hugh Jackman. And so it just I could not make Wolverine the greatest showman. But the girls this week... Jennifer's like, listen, you just got to sit down. You got to watch it. And I, so the last year I hadn't watched it, the girls, I've heard it playing in the back of the car almost every trip we've been on. Alexis actually had a birthday party this year, themed The Greatest Showman. And so, you know, I just stayed away from as much as I could. And I would like to say I watched it and didn't like it, but I'm just going to have to tell you, there were several parts of this movie that I teared up in. And that's sad. Uh, I don't know if I lose my man card by saying that. But um, I never cried through an Avenger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Any of that stuff. But it's a powerful movie. Now, some people have a problem with us using movies here in the service. What we're, what we're doing is, you know, Jesus, when he ministered, he was very, very, I believe, the greatest communicator on the planet. And when he spoke, he spoke in parables constantly. And the parables that he used, they were all fiction. But he related them in a way so people of that time, if he was talking to farmers, he used farmer fiction stories. If he talked to fishermen, he was using fishing fishermen stories. He, if he's, you know, and so he used modern stories to present the gospel to a generation where they could understand it. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why we, we do, we're doing this series because it's summer and we're letting our hair down and at the same point summer's famous for its blockbusters. And so I don't want you to think that we're uh, trying to glorify these actors or anything, but I want you to get the life lesson, the Bible truth out of these today. Going into it, the movie The Greatest Showman is a story about P.T. Barnum. And his life story, how he came into this world knowing that he was put here for something great. And, you know, what he actually accomplished was pretty great. His 
layout and the way he presented entertainment stuck around for a hundred years without pretty much change at all. Now, still today, just the other day, you saw a circus come into town here in El Dorado. He presented entertainment in a way that Barnum was ahead of its time and it changed the way entertainment is perceived. But his dream was to be the greatest showman on earth. So today we're going to jump into this one. Oh, before I get into that, could, um, I do got to do this. I, I don't want to get past this because I don't want to interrupt the rest of the day. But um, hey, y'all know this. Uh, this is way off. I should already. There's a um, we. You know, as a matter of fact, it's illegal for me to even get up and push a candidate for you guys to go and vote for in this city. But uh, so that's not what this is. So don't. Walk, what it is is uh, there. We're about to go into elections in this area, and. Uh, Judge Jack Barker. How many guys familiar with Judge Jack Barker? Now, when I say that name, some people are because he used to be a lawyer. Some people are like, yeah, because he used to be a lawyer and he held it. But what I say is that I'm not asking you to vote for Judge Jack Barker. What I'm asking you to do, though, is give people in this city an opportunity to vote for Judge Jack Barker. He, they're in the preliminary stage, and if any judge approaches me that we have a relationship with, that is, you know what I'm saying, that we know attends church, and you know what I'm saying, that we, I would do the same thing for anybody. He was the one, there, well, the we need, they need certain signatures to get his name put on a ballot. And so what I just wanted to make present to you, I, he helped for the last three years, he attends another church, but every Father's Day, he's been coming here to help us throw our Father's Day. I mean, he's helped me in any way I've ever asked him to. And so, by me asking that, I don't have any problem with this. And you say, well, I, I don't like you doing that. Well, tell, bring me the paper of the judge, you, and I'll ask next week for that. What I'm not asking is, I'm not asking you to vote for anybody, but if your conscience allows you to and you don't have an issue with him and you don't mind his name being put on the ballot for other people to vote for, would you please sign one of these today because he's got to get a certain amount of number of signatures to get put back on the ballot. Cool? Did I offend anybody? I didn't tell you who I'm voting for because I'm voting in Alabama this year. I had to change my residency to get my girls in school. So I don't get to even vote here, but so it's not here nor there. But there, Miss um, Tanya, would you make sure that we just um, have those available out front. If you don't mind his name being on a ballot for people to vote for, would you please put your name on the signature? You've got to be a resident of this county for that to happen. Cool? Like I say, if you know another judge or another somebody that's running for, against him, I don't even know who's running against him, if you would like us to ask people to sign that too, just please bring it to me, and we'll announce and let you sign that one next week. Cool, you can sign as many as you want to. How cool is that? <laughs> all right? So, and uh, hey, if you sign them all, then whoever gets elected, you can say, hey, I helped you get in the office. Cause I, all right, so just, that's it. All right. Getting into the movie, but we're going to get into the story. Now, this is a true story, but yet it's Hollywood, so a lot of the story is fiction. But over the next few minutes, I believe God can help us pull out some strong biblical truths out of The Greatest Showman. So here we go.
Champions, this is the moment you've waited for. You're searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's only this moment, don't care what comes after. Yeah, fuck the dream, can't you see you getting closer? To surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. It's fire, it's freedom, it's flying open. It's a picture in the pulpit and your blood to bullshit. There's something breaking at the brick of every wall that's holding on. a vision. Now this story is probably one of the greatest stories in our modern time of overcoming. He was truly an overcomer. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. As a matter of fact, he was born with everything against him. But what he was able to accomplish was he was able to find life the way I believe God wants you to find life in his journey of knowing that God put him here for something special. He knew that God had created him to be a star. He knew that God had put him here to make a difference, that the world around him would change. And then he actually accomplished it. The way he became such a star and the way he changed the world was he one day realized that there were people that were living in the shadows is a better way to say it. Because of physical deformities or physical limitations or things about them that made them unappealing to the mass, he had the ability to see the value in them. And people that were living a mundane life or even a life that was held back. He saw that their limitations didn't have to keep them from being marginalized their entire life. That if they were here, and they were here now, God has something more for them than living in the shadows. Without a doubt, he was a true man of vision. 
He, I mean, that's, he, he, every part of his life, he had a vision and it transformed what his life could be. But let's get into the scripture real quick. Uh, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus uses one of those parables like a movie here. And this is what Jesus said. And we're going to break this down just for a minute and then we'll get back into what I believe the Bible stories we can pull out of the Jesus lessons, the God lessons we can pull out of his lifestyle. But it says, in Luke chapter 14, verse 16, it says, And then he said to them, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servants to, and sent his supper, servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they with all with but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I mean, it's amazing how possessions can get your life so busy that you can miss out on what God has for you. I, I, I got to be honest with you, I can let the businesses we run outside of our ministry life get so busy that I could, without a doubt, excuse the fact that I need to be at church Sunday because this is pressing me right now and this is pressing me right now and i got to get this done before Monday. I gotta, but I want to let you know something. You weren't born for all that. You were born to be a part, as here in this story says, to be invited to a great feast. I love how the King James breaks it down. It says that, he, the master sent his servants out to invite the people to a great feast. Now, a feast is some kind of a celebration. How many guys have ever taken your wife or your girlfriend out to an amazing dinner or a great meal? You know, that, uh, a restaurant that honestly is a little bit over your head that you can't afford? You ever done that before? If you haven't, you need to. Let me just give you some um, husband or boyfriend advice. Carry her somewhere amazing. You, I remember um, there's a I, I shouldn't even remember this because I'm married now but I do remember I was dating someone and there was a restaurant I'd heard about in Hot Springs that um, called the Hamilton House and you know I didn't come from money I came from you know what I'm saying working our whole life my dad worked three jobs to be able to pastor the church and six kids and all that so we didn't spur so but I was dating this girl, and I'd heard about the Hamilton House. Anybody ever been to the Hamilton House? It's actually an old gangster house. Al Capone used to own it. And it's got tunnels that go out to the lakes to where if he was going to get raided, he could get out. It's got all kind of cool history to it. But it's a house, and now they've made every house in the, in the house a, a different room. But when you go to eat there, I'm telling you, it is, they just pour it on you. Like I say, it's, it's a little awkward, but man, it's very impressive. So take your wife somewhere like this. When you sit down, there's a waiter standing there with the thing around his arm. And if I take a drink of water, he'd put that drink right back in. If you set a fork down, he picked it up and he polished it and set it right back down. It was an amazing experience. And I was like, man, five-course meal. They bring one little bowl out. And then one little, I saw the first bowl. I thought, there's no way I'm going to get full. But after the fifth part of the meal. I mean, I couldn't even eat dessert. It, it was an amazing experience. And if you've never been to something like that, I'm here to tell you, you need to see it. 
You need to experience that. Boys, guys, y'all need to take your women to something like that. Show them the value you see in them. But to carry them somewhere that, you know what I'm saying, honestly, that maybe you can't afford one time. I ain't seen go there every Friday night, but carry them there because they deserve it. What I see in this story is God said you deserve it. He said this story. He said, I'm sending my servants out to go invite all the people to a great feast. Now, a feast is not just food. A feast is an, an event. It is entertainment. It is life. It is a, a, an event that's supposed to bring you great joy. Here in Barnum, he, won, he had the vision to create an event to be the greatest in the world. Here the master said, go, go get people and invite them to this great feast. God has such great things in life for you. A lot of times we get in our mind that God, life is not supposed to be as great as God wants it to be. For years, I grew up in the church, and I grew up in old school church. In old school church, I grew up in the poorer you were, the more spiritual you were. The harder life was, the closer to God you were. i got to be honest with you. We all will go through hard things in life. And yes, they are supposed to press us down so that we can get into this stance like the choir sang today. I see better on my knees because God knows this. Just like in the Bible where King Uzziah says he was broken, God made him strong. But when he was strong, he turned from the Lord. None of us get to a place of change when things are easy. Nobody changes in good times. They only change. So why does God allow bad? Because He wants to keep you constantly in need of Him. And no matter what level you get on, and the quicker you learn to be able to enjoy God in every part of your life and let Him be in control, He don't mind you going up another level. On your job, He don't mind you being a supervisor. If you can be a supervisor that can serve and be the example that God's called you to be as you were on the bottom level. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. And he, God wants you to have a great life. So I'm here to tell you, if your life is not great, if your life is not what you see in the Scripture it can be, or you may not can see what God wants it to be, what you need to understand is, number one, you've got to have the vision for it. If you can't see it, you can't be it. You've heard me say that a million times. You have to be able to see it before it gets here, or it'll never be here, because that's faith. You got to see God wants to make your situation better. God wants your marriage that you're in right now to get better. God does not want you to get in another relationship. He wants to fix this one. You got to see that. He can fix your husband. He can fix your wife. He don't want you to He wants to bless you and cause you to be about you know in every way of your life, but you first got to be able to see you're invited to a great feast. Now, there's a, the Bible talks about this thing with God being correlated with eating a lot. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, that scripture was written to unsaved people. Because unsaved people, God's willing to even give them a taste of how good it can be, so they will want more. A lot of times, the church or Christians get to a place where they think that scripture is for them, that God's just going to give them a little taste of how good it can be, but really, life is always going to be this way. And it's not. You have to be able to, when you're, he, he lets us taste and see that he is good, so we we'll want more. Because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. But in Psalms 23, he says this, He prepares the table for me in the presence of my enemies. 
In other words, and when life is tough, He still makes my life good. And I tell you, that is the plan that God has for us. And you've got to be able to see that. But a lot of times, because of physical markings or marines or marginalizations here in this story, it was keeping people living in the shadows. Truth be told, a lot of us, our spiritual condition or the past mistakes, we think that this limits how good the feast can be for us. I've messed up too much. I've blown it too bad. As a matter of fact, when you read into this story here, it says this. It says, but they, when they were all in one accord, it said, first it says it, so he sent out servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Now, let me just throw this on you. A lot of times we try to consider faith to be coming. God's going to bless me. God's going to heal me. God is going to bring the right husband. God is going... That is not faith, guys. What is the definition of faith? Say it with me. It says, Now faith is. Here in the story it says, Tell them that now it's available. Now it's ready. Now it's time. Go invite them. Now it said this. This This is a cool thing out of the story. The part of the servants, did you see what their job was? I love this. It's challenged me in a whole new way. The Lord told His servants, the ones that were already in His house, that their job was not to come to the feast. They were already there. They were going to get to enjoy it anyway. But they had a specific job too. And it was to invite. Invite. That's why, see, I get thrown stones at you about our cruise deal let me bring this back up to your remembrance because some of us have forgotten it some that we are giving away a free cruise for two at the end of the summer you still got six weeks six weeks to invite as many first time guests on Sunday morning as you can because we're giving away a cruise for two for you to go and do and you say well why why do y'all do that because I believe that the children of God are supposed to invite people to church I am convinced of it here in this story is actually scripture reference it says that the, he told his servants to go out and invite if you came here today and you didn't invite anybody all week let me challenge you next week if you're here you obviously believe that God's going to or wants to do something for you here don't you think he would want to do something for somebody else here too so don't let a week go by without fulfilling purpose if you don't know what else to do for God in a week invite somebody to church okay you get them here and then you can rely on us to do something about it the rest of it I mean so the people everybody that's been on this stage this morning has prayed everybody that's been on this stage has been believing everybody's going to be a part of everything we're doing here today has set this time aside and put energy and effort in to be able to impact people that are here for God and eternity so why would you let your friends die and go to hell when you got people that love you and them enough to, pre- to get everything they can do? We can't change their life, but we can create an atmosphere for God to be able to do it. Our job is to invite. So that's not here nor there. All right, so get back here. Right. Says, so, and they, he told them how to, for now things are ready. Says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to them, I bought a piece of ground. And I must go and see it. Possessions. You can get so full of possessions that it can keep you from being and having what God wants you. Does God got a problem with you having possessions? No. God has a problem with possessions having you. And let me tell you the difference. Anything that puts you put before God has you. That's why he says, have no other God before me. Hobby, habit, 
work, responsibility, anything's before God has you. Then it said this, it says, I must go and see it. And I asked, and I asked you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am needing to go get them tested. I understand we live in a different day and time that schedules aren't nine to five for everybody anymore, but I want you to know something. One of the biggest traps the enemy's tried to keep me from living the life that God has for me is work. I am a workaholic, is what Jennifer said, until um, we went and saw a counselor together. Yes, we see counselors because we want to be the best person we can be. And Jennifer, he was talking about us relationship-wise, and he said, Jennifer, what's your biggest complaint with him? And she said, he's a workaholic. He said, there's no such thing. Bob Hemp said, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a workaholic. You can't get diagnosed with that. What it is is you've just decided work is more important than family. Bottom line. If you're a workaholic and work is more important than God, you're going to miss out on the feast that God has for you. I understand responsibilities. And I do understand you, you, you may not can be every Sunday, but the ones you can. Or the ones that you, you get a choice over. They keep you from enjoying the feast. All right, next thing it says is, he said, I must go and see, and ask to be excused. Another, I bought five oak, and I'm going to get them tested, and I asked to be excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. We know who's already running that relationship. All right? <laughs> Sounds like my house. All right? I'm going to be honest with you, family. God-given family. Man, you want me to tell you how to be the best husband you can be? Have your family in the presence of God every time you got an opportunity to. This guy, when I read that, what I see is, well, their marriage is already in trouble. Because it don't take two to make a marriage work. It takes three. It takes a husband, it takes a wife, and it takes God. And you may think you're in love today, but there will be a day you'll wake up and the devil will tell you you're not. And that's when you'll have to hear God say, love's not a feeling. I'm love, and I loved you when you didn't deserve it. Or I loved you when I didn't have to, I felt the, when I felt the pain in my hands, felt the spear in my side, I still loved you. You better keep your marriage in a house of God. Then it said this. It says, still another said, I have married again. So, so the servant came and reported these things to the master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. And then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and into the hedges and compel them to come in. Now, I want everybody to read this part with me if it's there. So that his house can be what? Filled. Let me bring this back in. Good preaching is not going to fill every seat in this church. I don't care. If y'all had a better preacher, well, Dad preaches here. You used to preach here quite a bit. (laughs) You don't get a better preacher than my father. I'm just, that's my opinion. I'm biased. But, and every church wasn't filled because, see, the master didn't have the power to fill the house. It was the servant's commission to fill it. Do you know why God wants his house full? Because God wants heaven full. It's not about crowds. It's, it's about impact. I would be completely content 
if every week there was a... Now, you know why a lot of people say they don't come to church? It's because they say it's full of hypocrites. That's absolutely right. That's like saying I don't want to go to the hospital because it's full of sick people. When you're sick, you need to go to the hospital. When you're a hypocrite, you need to go to church. And I'm here to tell you, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the room. I would not be able to make it if I weren't here. And if you don't think you're a hypocrite, there's your sign. Right? Just plain simple. We're all hypocrites. We all, we all live. We all in desperate need of God. But Jesus said, I came to seek the lost. If you're looking for perfect people in a perfect church, it doesn't exist. That's a cult. If you're looking for a perfect leader and you think you have one, you're in a cult. Don't drink whatever they serve. That has not lasted, I mean, in time. What I'm here to say is this. Is we're not perfect by no means, but what we are is we're real people that need a real God. And the Bible says where two or three of us agree together, anything could be done. And it says this, where two or three gather together, He will be here in the midst of us. I don't care what level I get to at life, if I ever forget how bad I need God, I'm not at a feast anymore. I'll be at a funeral meal. Here He laid out, He said this, He says, you know, it would be awesome if the people that got life together will come. But most of the people that think they got their life together are too busy for me. But God is not limited to using people that have their life together. God, as a matter of fact, the Bible says Jesus came specifically to find those that were lost and broken. And so what we would consider a lot of times in our life things that would disqualify us. God says, it's the very reason why now I can do something great in you. Out of all the people standing on the side of the road the day he walked down a street, they all were tall. They were all obviously in good health. But when he got to the one that was of small stature, he stopped. And he called that one down because he knew it's not about the ride, it's about the rider. Why did Jesus choose a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on and not a stallion? All the religious people wanted the stallion because he knew it's about the rider, the rider, not the ride. Everyone God used greatly in the Bible was broken, was marred, was maimed. When God saw, when you, a lot of times when we look at us, we see our past, we see our difficulties, we see our situations, we see our failures, we see our limitations. When God looks at you, He sees a star. Now, if I had to say who's the greatest showman to ever walk the planet, it's Jesus, of course. The greatest showman. But the thing about it is this. God was here and He did it right. But now... He's put you here to be the star of this story. And God looks for the broken and the maimed. So if, you're, if there's an area in your life that you would say, Cricket, this disqualifies me. This draws me back into this habit, this past, this mistake. I'm here to tell you, before the service is over, you're going to be given a chance to take a step out of the darkness and into the light 
And if you'll position yourself on the stage that God's put you on to be there to do something greatly for God, God will make you the greatest showman you'd ever seen in the area that He's put you in. It's not by chance you're here. God has such a great plan for your life. God has a vision for your life that far exceeds anything you've ever even thought about, even thought of, the Bible says, heard, spoke, or can imagine. The good things that He has in store for you. Problem is, people don't understand what, how powerful vision is. Cool thing about Barnum here was he was a man of vision. That's why when they produced this movie, the, the, there was a lot of truth and untruth, and we'll bring up some of those here in a minute, but one of the truthful things about Barnum that's recorded in history, that he had a vision that changed the world. Every single one in here has had a vision in you that God put in you that's connected to your purpose. And if you could sometimes reach back and grab hope to that vision, vision, you will be used by God to change the world. When we were all put on this planet, God gave us the ability. The Bible says He put the desire, He gave us the desires of our heart. That's not for a 60-year-old man to want a bass boat. That was when a five-year-old kid had a dream and knew that he was here to do something amazing that was put in them by God. And because that's put in them by God, God has a plan and a purpose for you. It's powerful. Your vision is purposeful. And your vision is going to make such a difference that when you actually walk into it, or change it, the vision is so powerful. This is what Jesus said in Proverbs. He said this, Without it, my people will die. Without, without vision, your people will perish. So, I, I, I want to ask you real quick before we go any further. Do you still have a vision? There was a time you can remember back before life got hard, before bills started coming in. There was a time, I've never met a single person on this planet that did not know they were here for something great. But then life gets difficulty, life gets hard. Do you know, do you know why that is? Because the Bible says that not only is there a God that builds purpose, there's an enemy who tries to destroy it. And the Bible says this is what the devil does. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. From the time you have, can remember, the enemy behind the scenes has been trying to steal your dream. And it comes in in all different kinds of ways. A dream is not something you just lay in bed and your mind's racing while you're sleeping. A dream of vision is something that God's given you that's powerful and purposeful and it will make a difference in your life and bring you to the life that God wants you to and those around you as well. That is what the vision for God for your life is. is to bless you and those around you. Now, when you understand that God has that vision for you, you can look back now and realize that every tragedy and every heartbreak in your life has been sent by the enemy to try to steal that vision. Because if you let him steal it, the next thing he will do is he will kill it. And then he'll get you to a place where, as a matter of fact, you're actually part of destroying it. So some of us have to take back and realize that we've not messed anything up. God's will for your life is more powerful than any mistake you've ever made. The only thing more powerful than God's will in your life is your will. If you decide that you're not going to live the destiny that God has for you, you won't. If you decide that you're going to live life God's way, you will. Now the thing about it is, the way you get into the vision of God's life for you is through relationship, not religion. Religion will bring you to a place where you're trying to earn something or do something and you will fail every time. 
But relationship with God, as long as you have one, you can't keep the vision for God for your life from coming about. Problem with it is a lot of people don't want relationship because relationships always have rules. Any great love relationship has rules in it. Me and my wife, we love each other. We've been through hell and back and we love each other. But in our relationship, there are rules. I don't date anyone else and she don't date anyone else. If we lay that rule down, our relationship will eventually be over. Some people don't serve the Lord because they think that God's trying to be mean, He's hard, He's trying to put rules on them. No, you'll never have a great relationship with anybody. Say, prove it, cricket. Walk out of here and tell a lie on your best friend. And see how long you guys stay best friends. There's rules to every relationship. They're not regulations. They're not control. They're you putting up fences to protect the relationship that you have with God. So it's not religion. It's not about doing. It's about relationship, knowing God. And the more you know God, the better you can see what God's put you here for. Now, Barnum's vision was to be the greatest showman in the world. He wanted to step in and he wanted to change the world in a way that it affected other people. And that just didn't come up in one idea one day. It's been a part of his life forever. Let's see how his vision started.
sir. I, uh, I know I don't come from much, but I will take care of your daughter and I will give her life as grand as this one. on the planet that was given the ability to dream is you and me. You have something that you've been told your entire life that was a, you weren't supposed to use, and it's your imagination. That's a gift that God's given you. Every single person in here has the ability to dream. The reason why God gave you the ability to dream is because inside of you is connected to destiny you were put here for. But you've been told most of your life to quit daydreaming, quit, get your head out of the skies. Get, this is what's really going on. But I agree. Don't waste your time daydreaming. The secret is waste your time pray dreaming. You don't know what you're here for. You close your eyes. You imagine you doing something great for God. And then you ask Him to let you do it. And visions will be released inside of your life. God will show you things that only He could show you that He wants to use you. The enemy's been trying to hurt you since you were born. The enemy's been trying to disappoint you since you were born. The enemy's tried to position you since you were born to give up on the God-given dreams on the inside of your life. But if you can hold on, then they will never be able to die. can't judge a book by a page. And you may be on a very bad page right now. That's when you spend time pray-dreaming the vision of God in your life. And the visions of God always involve you helping others. Barna failed miserably. It pulled multiple 
adventures he went on. He was an entrepreneur. He, he started a, like a wax museum, went bankrupt. Started multiple businesses and failed greatly. It wasn't until one day that he saw in people a brokenness that the world said they were no good, but yet he saw the power on the inside of them and how good they really were. When he saw how God could use him, I say, but really what he saw was people that life had put in the shadows that said they're unusable. He said they are usable, and if I put them on a stage and people can see they're usable, I will become the greatest showman. The secret to finding the destiny of God for your life is this. You get a dream and you connect it to the harvest field. Joseph's dream was so powerful because he was able to see God make him a ruler, but when it was connected to saving his brothers, he realized what he was there to do. When you take your greatest dreams and you figure out a way to make them reach people, bless people, you make your dreams about others, God can use you to fulfill your dreams. Now, in this story... He, he went and he started realizing there were people that the world said were no good. And he positioned them into a place where they became the greatest showman. We're going to burn through three clips and then we're going to close. So let's go to this one real quick. I am not a stranger to the dark. Get the lights for us, guys. They say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us. For we are glorious. When the stars burn. Wanna cut me down? I'm gonna send the blood, gonna drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me.
can see number one that God has a dream and a vision for you number two is to when you can see that the people around you has value in them and God wants to use you to reach them then thirdly Barna had the ability when he had raised to fame he got his eyes off of the people that he was reaching and got the eyes on himself and felt like he'd become something. And he lost his marriage. He almost lost his business. And his life went into uttermost chaos at the height of success. Anytime you really think, begin to think that this is about you, you're on your way down. God put you here, as Joseph said. What the enemy meant from harm, God meant for good so that many can be saved. God will take you to the highest of the highs. If you'll remember, it's about people that need Him in their lives. Solomon said this. He said, Lord, make me famous. And that sounds like a very conceited prayer. But he said, so that I may use the platform to tell others who got me here. And Barnum almost lost it. He didn't realize that it wasn't about him, but it was about others. If you've lost your joy, if the enemy's stolen your dreams, if he's killed any hope of your life being great, here's the secret. Number one, dream again. Picture yourself being used by God no matter how marred or maimed you may be. Number two, look around you and see others that need God in their life and be willing to be the one that brings Him there. Number three, realize this ain't about you. In any stage He gives you, you're willing to step off and give it back to Him. When Barnum got this, his life came back together. And Barnum died a happy man, a married man, with kids and family, and he left a legacy that changed everything. Here's when he got it. Here's when he became the greatest showman on earth. And then we're going to close with a prayer. Open 
It's going to speed this up just a minute. He got it. He realized it was about others. It was about reaching. It was about allowing God to change people's lives. And then he got the last key. Because he knew when this was over for him, there would be those coming up behind him that would need to know he left a legacy. For a hundred years, the circuits pretty much hasn't changed. Because one man's vision, he saw that God had one for him. He saw that the vision that God gives us is not for us, it's for others. And then we realize that it's bigger than we'll ever be and we're to set a legacy in the way we live so that the ones coming up behind us can live it. This is how his life ended. And it was a fairy tale happy story. But then I want to show you one scene that they filmed behind the scenes when they were making this movie.
What you got to understand is everything that the enemy's stolen from you, God has the ability to give it back. The Bible says that you just have to, the thief has to be caught. There's some people in here today, I, don't, I, I just feel in my heart that you don't believe that God has a vision for you that could be that great. I want to pray for that in just a second. I believe there are some that what they're living, they don't see how God could even be in it because what you need to understand about vision is it's always raw. When vision starts, it doesn't look like anything. It will end up looking like caterpillars don't look like butterflies. Tadpoles don't look like bullfrogs. It, that God, when God does His work, what it started as, it's different in the end. He said, I know you're in from your beginning. The truth and the reality of this story, there's a lot of true in this movie, a lot. Tom Thumb was true. The little guy became famous, was the star of Barnum's show. He was a true guy. Zac Efron, my girl's favorite actor in the movie, his character was completely false. It was made up. It was Hollywood. There was a girl named Jenny Lynn, the opera singer. True story, she was there, but in the movie it says that she had a relationship or one relationship with Barnum. That's not true. That was never happened. They did have a very good business working relationship and they both became very successful. But there was a, a writer that actually at the time is one that fell in love with Jenny Lynn and Jenny Lynn, his name was Hans Christian, or Hans Christian Anderson. How many of you guys have ever heard of Hans Christian Anderson? Famous uh, writer. 
But he wasn't famous until after he had the encounter with Jenny Lynn and she broke his heart. She didn't feel for him that way. She was in love with the show. And so history records, after the relationship broke, he walked away with the pain and disappointment that he felt like he got out of that relationship and he penned a story called The Snow Queen. Now, if you've got daughters and you're into musicals, you know now that Disney, several years later, took the story of Snow Queen and they were able to reach inside of a man's pain instead of it turning into disappointment and brokenness, he turned it into a pen and made a story that inspired people in the show Frozen was made out of the heartbreak that came out of this great show. Saying that to say this, every one of us have been broken, every one of our dreams have been shattered at some point, but we're given the option. Are we going to allow it to be disappointment or are we going to allow it to be inspiration? Your disappointments God can still use, your brokenness God can still use if you'll decide to let God use you through it. You're not too broken. You're not too gone. You are a great showman. And when you allow God to get involved in your situation, you allow God to give you a vision back for what He wants you to be, and you see it's to help other people. And then you realize that you're building a legacy that your kids and the further generations will follow. Then what God can do is take every brokenness in you and use it to help build someone else's future. I'm here real quick. I'm going to close with this. And we're going to close because never is it easy to step out of the shadow into the light. But when you do, everything in your life changes. In just a minute, we're going to play a behind-the-scenes thing here. But I want the story, they had to take the step, and I tell you, what a powerful soundtrack. Rumor is I have it on my phone, and I use it when I'm working, but that would give my man card up, so that may not be true. But the real story behind this show is when they were getting ready to pitch it to Hollywood, Hugh Jackman, he had neurosurgery, and so he had a cancer on his nose, so he had to remove the cancer so he couldn't sing. And so they still had the meeting, and when they got ready to have the meeting, someone that had never been on a world stage before, the baton got handed to them, and they had to step up out of the shadow. And it was because of her performance in front of the director's while everything was still raw. It didn't look as she had never done it before. She didn't think she could do it. And for months and months and months, she was trying to get the nerve. They couldn't even get her to step out in front of her music stand to be what she could be. Until the interview that took place when they were pitching to the directors, it was the first time she was willing to step out of what she thought her insecurities were, what she thought her limitations was. And it wasn't Hugh Jackman who got the contract for the movie to be made. It was the bearded lady. When the producers saw her in her raw talent be able to step past her limitations and her insecurities, they signed the movie deal. We're going to watch that and just they recorded the interview. But before we do, I know this. There's some people in here today 
that you can believe God has a dream for you and you, you can probably even see and remember when it was real and alive in you. But you taking a step past your insecurities and you taking a step out for God to be able to do it will be a place where a lot of us will stop short. Like I believe, I know this, there's people in here today that probably are not right with God. And God can't get involved in your situation until you can, number one, just decide that God's big enough to do it. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. And it actually takes effort, it takes decision to stand up and step out. And that's hard. I'm just being honest, it's hard. But real quick, I want to give somebody a chance to do something hard, but to allow God to begin to release His destiny into your life. I'm going to give you a chance to stand up. I know it's odd. I know everybody, the room is quiet, and everybody's eyes are on everybody. But if you can't step out here, I want you to know something. You'll never have the power to step out there. But God says, if you'll stand up for me before men, I will stand up for you before my Father. And so I am, I usually don't try to put high pressure on people, but coming into this, I just felt like God told me, somebody needs to step up and say, I need to get right with God today. And I want Him, His destiny to be released in my life. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. You stand up. One, two, three. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Step out and get right with God. Let's pray real quick, guys. You are the greatest. Show me your dreams are unbelievable. Let's pray. Say, Dear Father, thank you for creating me with destiny. Thank you for seeing in me what I couldn't see in myself. Thank you for loving me enough to want to buy me back out of the mess that I've made. Thank you for sending your son, allowing him to die on the cross. And raising him from the dead so that now I can live the life that you've destined me to live. Father God, as a pastor, I ask you right now to release dreams and visions in each one of these people standing. Let them see what you have for them. Let them see that their destiny has not been changed in a bad way but can't be stopped for your glory. That they are great, that you have a great purpose for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Now give these guys a big hand clap. Now, I'm closing with this interview. I tell you, this... I hate it. And it was hard for me to tell Jennifer, Jennifer and my girls they were right. Like I say, I tear up even when I see this stuff. But over the next few minutes, there's some people that might be right with God, but you've just been holding back and you know you've been holding back. You've been not stepping out because you've just been afraid that what people may say. You got to, out of the great prophet, um, what's her name? Uh, haters will be haters. Taylor Swift. All right? Haters just going to be haters. Let them be haters. All right? You be what God's made you to be. And I pray over this last clip, you will see that, yeah, right now it may not look like anything you think it should be. But if you don't give up on your dream, in a moment's time, God releases destiny and your situation changes. Every vision starts out raw.